Hello and welcome to Register, the podcast about architecture and landscape from the Kingston School of Art in London. My name is Andrew Clancy. In this episode, we are joined by Manuel Iris Mateus, who was interviewed by Bruno Silvestra and Diego Calderon. Both Bruno and Diego teach in our undergraduate, and Bruno is also the course leader of our undergraduate course, and both are also uh, practitioners outside of the school. Uh, Diego, uh, as a principal of a practice in London uh, called DFN and DC, doing a range of interesting work across uh, the UK and beyond. While Bruno's recently completed social housing project in Portugal, which made the long list for the Reba International Prize. Manuel Iris Mateus is one of the partners, along with his brother, in Iris Mateus Architects. In this interview, Manuel describes the evolution of their practice, how it has grown in both complexity and in scale, and how they've adjusted how they work to accommodate this. The language of their architecture requires a high degree of rigour and control, and it talks about the balance required between that control and collaboration in that conversation and how that differs from their role in the studio they teach collectively in Mendricio. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Um, so welcome to um, our um, Register podcast. Uh, tonight we are um, interviewing uh, Manuel Iris Mateos, who joined us from Lisbon. And uh, Manuel came here today to review the work of our students um, in the undergraduate course. And uh, during a one day long conversation, there were uh, many questions that have kind of um, prompted the beginning of this conversation. But maybe rather than starting from the substance of what was discussed throughout the day in the crit, um, I'd like to... Um, to welcome Manel here. Uh, thank you for being with us. And um, it, it has been a pleasure uh, all day. And and maybe one of the first questions that I would like to ask is um, in the context of us meeting uh, your brother back in Mendrisio, is, is this uh, relationship. Manel and Francisco have been working together since the days of Gonzalo Birn and since you graduated from school. How does that um, how does that dialogue how does that um, how is that journey with two minds uh, being developing the career and the body of work that you have uh, produced so far? So as probably you know, we start working together in Gonzalo's office, and we stayed there for I don't know a couple of years. I start first on on on. The, Gonzalo's office, my brother Francisco, it's, it's younger, one, one year younger than me. He was in another office and then he joined us in the, in, in the office. And we stay for many years uh, in, in, in Gonzalo's office. And in a certain moment, we start to have some projects that we start doing the projects inside the Gonzalo's office. So we were, had like a small room in the office, and we used to do the projects together. Then, at a certain moment, uh, I mean, there were so many projects that we decided to move, and we uh, rent an office just in front of Gonzalo's office. When we were finishing the project that we had with Gonzalo, and we were starting our new projects. Then it moves like that in a normal way. So, two so we're talking about the early 1990s, is that right? 
Yeah, I don't know anymore. But we we signed our first contract, public contract. I was twenty five, so twenty five. It's eighty eight, let's say. So on the nineties, we were already um, having some work. Uh, or and on the nineties, we were already established. Let's say nineteen ninety one. So we were already having maybe it's already there the new office. And we start having let's say more and more projects. I, I remember too. We decided never be more than seven. And never, never be more than eleven, and then never be more than projects 50. or people, people, people. And in a certain moment, we were too many, and we decided to buy a new office, and we bought the office that I just moved out now. And we decided it was to prepare the office to have twenty for for twenty architects for. And it was that the moment where. We had, I mean, too much work, too much work, not too much work, but I mean, the work we felt that was not under control as we wanted. So we decided, to say, okay, let's let's have an office, let's split the office in two in terms of um, uh, management, 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 and we decide to. So I move to the new office, and Francisco stays on the the other one. And I move with one part of the collaborators, but maybe most of the collaborators, because Francis decided from the beginning that they wanted to have a smaller office. And so I decided, okay, 20 is enough. If Francisco have six or seven more, it will be perfect. And then we start, I mean, we continue having a sort of an evolution and we grow a little bit, but not too much. So now we are in more or less, let's say, for the last few years, even if we come with the crisis in, let's say, a stable stable dimension, where I have 40 and Francisco have... We are 40 and Francisco are, let's say, uh, 15, something like that, 14, 15, 16. So how does it work? You have... Um you have two brothers that work together for a number of years and then the office kind of splits in two but there are projects that you do together and there are projects that you do apart independently from each other uh, we, we we say that one of the things that also changed is that because because for the world of architecture Aris Mateos is only one only, yeah, one, only one entity of two people and we are only one we are two only ones that is very good <laughs> Uh, no, but the idea is that, that, that one. So it came also an, another difference in our professional lives. That, uh, traditionally, it was only me teaching. Francisco uh, started teaching when we were invited together to go to Mendrisio. 18 years ago, something like 17, 18 years ago. So this also reinforced, uh, uh, reinforced our discussion about architecture. So we decided to say, okay, so... We have a common investigation. It's what it counts. We teach together. We discuss architecture. We don't have to discuss stupid things like administration, stupid details, because we can do 
split it in a, in a splitted way. And what we are interested in is not which going to develop a project, but more than anything else, which direction are we going to work on? What are our concerns in terms of architecture? What are we interested in? And we, there are things that we do always together. It's teach, to participate in all the biennales, in all the way we are represented, because we take it as moments where you can think about what we are doing and we can do a kind of a, uh, an, an investigation. And then the projects, of course, we respond one or, or the other in different, in different uh, situations. We are not so much interested in terms of who is doing what, but uh, let's say in a way, in a, our common, our common reflection about architecture, and and the process is working, and we meet together and more or less every, every week. So even because we have to go to to Madrid or because we we are family or I mean we have many reasons to meet, <laughs> and that's also good. And we also are doing now courses in our office. Uh, we are, so we are interested in having a kind of a common, common background with our, with, with shared by everybody in the office. So we are doing courses of histories of sculpture, philosophy, literature, whatever, mm -hmm. philosophy, whatever, I mean, whatever. For people inside the office or? For, for the people inside the office and for the next, in, in two years, we are going also have some students in the office because we also wanted to we also wanted to share this idea of teaching with everybody. And of course, you cannot export everybody to to different schools. So we are going to bring some students to the, to the office to being trained as students, not as as intern. So of course, we have internals, but we also wanted to have uh, students uh, in the office because it's very important to the contact of the, the architect with the students, not only the students with the architect, so it helps a lot this balance. So we're gonna have some students in the, in the office. So but those courses that you say, uh, so do you invite speakers? Yes. Um, friends, architects, philosophers? Yes. To come and have a discussion? But not only friends. We make contracts with people that are interested in listening. So it's not, not only the friends, are also people that we are interested in listen and but we 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 want to share the space so I'm, i mean in in an office we can be like friends everybody could be friends but my our common base is a cultural base so i have to guarantee that everybody have a certain degree and a certain common ground a common base that we can share so we start with this and it's working very well so we see from lecture of architecture from kind of Almost, I mean, there are going to be people talking about photography, music, uh, literature, mm -hmm. whatever you can, that it's part of a cultural life, mm -hmm. it's going to be passing and, by and the And it's people from Lisbon or people from around the world? Uh, for the moment we are, until now, it's people from, let's say, Portugal, that's mm -hmm. the easiest way for the, for the moment. But then, I don't know, maybe you're going to extend that to now, now we are, I mean, if you, if we have already more or less, let's say, a program for one year, 
after that maybe we're gonna open it a little bit more but we all we want to have also this idea of, of of students and integrate this as kind of a an office have to be a base of debate have to be something that it's very open we are not interested in we feel that our output are projects but our work it's to think about life, the world, ways of living that could support architecture. Linking to that theme of education and teaching, how was your, I don't know much about your early days in Mendrisio, your invitation to go there and you, you went there as very young architects, if mm -hmm. it was 18 years ago, so how, how was it for architects from Lisbon? Very, very young to suddenly being invited to such a an important and central forum in in Europe in the middle of nowhere uh, and suddenly being next to you know to, to figures of you know of, of a different generation and, and that melting point of melting pot of, of ideas from Europe mm -hmm. back then back then was a European rather than an international school. No, the the, the, the invitation for Madrid was a, a chance like most of the things in life. We won a, a prize in Italy. I can't remember which prize, and it was a prize in Italy. And on the jury was Mario Botta. And Mario Botta decided to invite us to the to the school. On the school, we just discovered immediately Peter Suntor, and it was our, I mean, let's say our guru on the school. So we were. I remember that we used to go every night to see. Uh, the works, but with nobody on the room, so just to go there and see what they were doing. The students were, you know, Peter Sunter were, were doing. <laughs> but uh, we had another chance on that moment because we were invited for a semester. And the school extended the invitation for the next semester, but by another chance, uh, it was only me, I was invited to go to the GSD in Harvard. And I don't know why they get the impression that we will probably stay in the, in the GSD in Harvard. So they invite us to be, become teachers in Mendoza. So that's why we, well, we, were, we were really young when we start there. Mm -hmm. We get the position immediately in Mendoza. By, I mean, I see that we were afraid. And also I know that was because Peter Zuntor decided we should stay. And, and we stay. And it's, I mean, they've been, the school have, have been very important for us. Mm -hmm. We learn a lot with the students. That's, that's what the reason why we all teach. That's because we learn with students a lot. And we learn a lot with, especially in the school, we learn a lot with, by the time that Zunto was there, we learn a lot with Zunto. And we could recognize also the influence of the work of Zunto in the school and its own professional work. And I feel that the work that we do in the school also have a large influence in what we do in, in the office. And it's something that we, we really like and we, and because we teach the same way we work on, on the office. You also teach, you have also taught in Lisbon for a long time. I'll, and you mentioned that you've been to Harvard. Mm -hmm. So how do you compare <coughs> this triangle of 
Harvard, GSD, Mendrisio, and probably Mendrisio and Lisbon are kind of closer together, but not only geographically. But how do you compare your experience of teaching in in both sides of the Atlantic? What, what? Well, let's say we have to understand that uh, they don't have the same quality. You don't achieve the same quality in the GSD that you achieve in Mendrisio. Not even close. The students are not so well prepared and the school is not as good as the one in, in Europe. It's a good school for the States, but it's a school for the States where it's not the same thing as being, being in the center of Europe. And I, of course, in the GSD there are a lot of there are interesting things. One of the interesting things is it's, it represents the world, so it's kind of a really global. Well, and this is also a little bit like global. Students also from some everywhere, but in the in, in the states you have this idea that it's the world. So we are talking to the world when we are talking from from the states. But at the same time, the students have no, they are not, they don't have the skills, they are not prepared. But it's interesting. It's another experience, but uh, it's not like the experience that you could keep on going there. I mean, it's interesting to to teach on the states if you do once in a while as a kind of an experience. But it's as, for an European, I think that uh, doesn't uh, help too much. On the contrary, in Mendrisio, you are in the center of Europe. At the same time, they, they, they are Swiss, so they have enough capacity to invite everybody from, the, from everywhere in the world. And they are able to really provide all the kind of experience that we need. They have a very good lab for, for models, they have uh, excellent lectures, they, they have very good students. So, in a certain moment when we had to decide, we decided to stay in Mendrisio. As, as you can imagine, it's difficult, because it's difficult to stay so long in the same school. We all feel that it will be better to just move, make small experience. We love to do small experience. You know? mm. When when we go to I don't know to Oslo and we make a semester in Oslo or we make a semester in 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 Slovenia or we like to do this also this kind of experience where we do different things. We face different students. We have other problems other ways of, of, of doing or doing a seminar in Spain or and then going in there to, to go to and teach a semester in New Zealand. There are things that we like, this idea of that we can move because it's difficult to be focused on. I mean, when you are, I mean, these are 35, 36 semesters in Mendrisio, it's not easy to keep moving and keep Finding new. So, Mendrisio is the base, and New Zealand, Oslo, Slovenia, all these other places are places that you go to regen regenerate. Yes, in a, in a way, it's that. But because you need, you, you know, you need. I remember I was surprised when you, when we were in Oslo, and I I was starting to criticize one project, and one of the students say, "Why are you saying that?" Because you know, this project is a. But it's not my opinion. And I was like, whoa, what do you mean by it's not my opinion? And then I had to explain. And it's interesting because you have explained in another way why you were saying that, that in Mindrizu will be, of course, 
for sure. Everybody knows the rules. So when people have different rules, you have to move and you have to explain to them and to yourself why are you saying that. And that's why I think that it's interesting to, to change and to have to make a different experience in terms of, of teaching. Because, and you find new things. I remember I, I went, because of all the new, the new chairman was a friend I could not refuse. I went to, uh, to teach for one month in, in Venice. And it was amazing for me. Because we were discovering things that everybody knows in, in Mendrisio. But what's interesting, it's not to know, it's to discover. We were doing things that were really refreshing. You know, I remember one of the students made a model in concrete with the inside in foam. And then he took the foam from the inside with fire. That's a common strategy in, from the last, let's say, 10 years in Mendrisio. But for them, he discovered a way. And the model was amazing. It was amazing because everything was new for him, for the people that were there, and for the experience. And, and sometimes you need that. It's like the same thing in projects. Sometimes you need to completely change scale, material, approach, program, in, in terms of projects or geography, to, to rethink, to help you to restart. Because in our work, we always have to restart. Kind of, kind of a, a new beginning in every project and start again, start trying to ref, completely refresh on a project. And sometimes you have, you, have, you, you have to help yourself doing that because it's not easy. Life is what, it's, well, it's what it is. Mm -hmm. Move on and have a lot of other uh, skills. So move into things that you really feel that you are refreshing everything. It's very important. Interesting, um, and that leads me to another question, and which I think has partly been answered, but is how the, how the teaching informs the practice and how the practice informs the teaching. And I think I have the impression that you as much teach what you practice as you practice what you teach, and, and the kind of expression of that, or the manifestation is that, is that the office is now becoming a little bit of a school. Yeah. But it's true, you know that so we, what we say is that there are only one difference. It's that when we are teaching, the final decision came from the student. When we are working, we have the final decision. But it's the same thing. We are discussing a problem. And we are trying to take out of the problem something. We are, we are trying to inform with the problem, we are trying to inform and to have a position and to prepare something that, you could, that we can understand. And we do that with the students and we do that in, in the office. The difference is that, of course, when you are teaching the final word from the student, so, and we go into this, the student direction and we discussed inside his own interesting when you are in the office we of course we have a, a different line that could sometimes sometimes it's also a leader of the process it's not as necessary it's not necessarily as the final decision yes 
But let's say, sometimes it happens that the decision or the leader on the process of thinking, it's somebody else in the office, a young architect or another collaborator or mm. I don't know. And then we just join him to try to reinforce to assist. And, 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 and the discussion. It's exactly what we do with the students. Then there's a problem of responsibility. I mean, in the school, the students have the responsibility. In the, the office, we have the responsibility. But sometimes it's very close. I remember some projects where... So does that mean, Manel, that um, you have different degrees of... Uh, leadership is probably not the right word, but you have different relationships with different projects in the office. Uh, are there projects in the office that the control is... Uh, I said, delegated more to the project architect and projects where you have more no. of no, no, not at all. I'm you say use the, the expression control freak. Yeah, <laughs> I have to control even things that I don't understand. You know, I control the tissues in the in the projects. They everything it's in the end of the day accepted by in the case of my office by me. So I have to sign everything. I have to say, okay, it's this exactly that. It's not that that what I'm saying. It's that a process is always a, a project is always a process of sharing, and sometimes it's not that your it's it's your decision in the end, but the leadership of the movements could be not be yours. Yeah. But you, it's always you that's going to say no, yes, no, yes. There are no, in our office, we don't delegate anything. That's why we don't grow for more than this. We, I cannot do more than what I do. I go there, mm. you know, every day, weekends, evenings. So I cannot do more than what I do. So we, I, we cannot grow. So we cannot have more projects than what we have. But what I mean is that when I'm discuss, having a discussion, sometimes what comes out better it's not by me. My work is to say, okay, what you are saying is better than what I'm thinking. And I accept that, let's move from that point. And that comes very often. But it doesn't mean that I'm going to delegate the process, no, no. And in that respect, I, I think Portugal and other continental countries, are, the figure of the architects is a bit more traditional maybe than what we have experienced in this country, which you know, some Point and over sophistication of the organization of a practice allows for for many sales, almost many semi-autonomous um, units within a, an umbrella to to exist and to um, you know, things like delegation and relinquishing of not authorship but of, of control of but the process. But this normally is, it's related to a problem of growing. If you grow up, then a certain dimension, mm. you have to delegate. If you delegate, you lose the control. On that sense, the sense I feel that we have to have it. It doesn't mean that you don't share the discussion of the project. That's yes. the thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's a different thing. But I like, what I like is to, I like to discuss, but my way of seeing our work, and I don't say that it's the best way, or I think it's our way, it's to really control. So we control. Mm. In the end of the day, we control. Everything. I think we can see that from your work that um, 
it's very controlled, it's very rigorous. Then um, going back to that aspect that you mentioned of the new beginnings and this idea of constant, constantly regenerating the process and starting again and again and again. If we could, I mean, that's at least my perception. I've been away from Portugal for a few years, but I know your work, your work you've done with your brother since I was a student in the 1990s. And I can, I think I can feel uh, um, two or three different generations of work that have evolved in a different way. And I think, and I don't want to date or to pigeonhole these generations of work into decades. You know, there is the work of the 1990s. Of course, there is your early work. But it seems to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, that there is a kind of a turning point about 10 years ago, maybe when the crisis broke, and I think the majority of, work, of your work at the time was houses, which I think when I look at that specific body of work, I see that the houses were embracing the same questions as you embrace in a big museum. Um, but is it right to say that around 2007, 2008, there is, there is kind of a new beginning in your body of work? Are there new mm -hmm. questions that are introduced around, mm -hmm. around that time? No, let's say, for us, it was a, there's one moment that we call our beginning. So we had these early projects where most of them were in, a, in scale, in terms of scale, were bigger than... than yeah, you did quite a lot of public work yeah. in the 1990s. Yes, because it was the, the, when we get into the European community, so there was this, all these competitions and we won some competitions. And, we, and in a certain moment we find out that we need to move back for a smaller scale to, in order to really control. And because uh, the small house in, in Alenquer or the house in Azeitão are a kind of a new beginning for us. It's a moment where we find out that we have to have faced the, the problem of time. A, a project was not I was going only... To come to that, yeah. Uh, the project was not... It's not only one moment. A, a, project, it's going, a building is something that's going to live. And we have to design a building for his life and now for his finishing. And this, this it, and it's, it's a major difference in our work. But you know, like, it's, you, have to be, you have to be young when you are young. When you have 27, you don't believe in getting old, even if you suppose you do. You don't believe that the building will be, become old. You are concerned about the photo that you're going to shoot the day the building is going to be finished. What it's not happened, what it's not the same case when you already have the experience of the building getting old and that you are also getting old. That's the, the biggest problem. Uh, so you, 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 you feel that you have to face this idea of time in, in, in a way. And and for us, this, this moment, we can say it's the moment where we jump into these small houses. So let's say Ellen Kerr. And I remember when we faced the project of, of Ellen Kerr, we start to talk about, really talk about, no, it's not on that one. This is, um, this is a, a, a time 
where we find out that it was necessary to be really clear about the projects and talk about spaces and talk about possibilities of, of, of living and not talk about shapes or image or, or, or effects. And we start with this with Alenkev and then we have done Azetown and then another house on the coast in, in Olentejo. These three houses change our life and it ends, this process ends a little bit with scenes. And so it was for us, it's what we call the beginning. The rest. So that's what, 2002, 2003? Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. It's before it's 2000. It's 2000. It's about 2000. The 2G is 2003, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. The 2G, this so was the, already but there. Describe, describe that new beginning. What, 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 but what? for us, it was like, it was like, for us, it was possible to talk, really describe the house, for instance, the, this discussion discussing what the meaning of the house let's say in an urban context why the house is going to bring light into the the village why were this double layer that were interesting in the space in between like a kind of a space that amplified the possibilities of life the idea of an external that could be also an internal and then it was an external external and an internal external the idea of integrate time in the construction, the idea of establish a dialogue in between these walls that were done and redone by centuries and that establish a dialogue with a pure geometry. One idea that we introduced by the time was the double slab in order to have pure geometries in terms like the sculpture. So the double geometry that allows you to have the angles, that you have really have the angles and not to have kind of things that, you know, oh, it's, not, it's, not a const it's not only construction, it's also, let's say, a kind of way where you are adding pure spaces. So where space is one on top of the other. So the roof of one, it was not the slab of the other. So mm -hmm. this idea where they, they generate the pure geometry. And this is the beginning. It's, it's on, on that where we really start to control and talk about the limit as, as something that you have to, to we talked, it was the first time that you, we started talking about this idea of a limit that we cannot avoid the limit, so we have to work on the limit. So the, the a limit, it's a field that you can have double layers, you can have space in between, you can have a limit that have a discussion to the outside and to the inside. That's a, let's say it's a field, the limit. So this was the moment where these ideas and also when you start to represent the, the projects in black and white, in order, at the beginning was not to, not even to publish the project like that. We continue to publish the projects in, in common sketches, but we use that to control, to guarantee the quality of the projects on, 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 on the office. And it was only on the exhibition that we made in 2005 that we start to show out of the, the office, this way of designing in black and white. Uh, but that was this moment where we, starting from these small projects, and then we, we start moving, let's say, when we, from that, we, I remember we start, we have done, then scenes that was a bigger museum, a museum that have never been built, that is the Museum of Architecture of Portugal, mm -hmm. the competition for Cairo, mm -hmm. uh, the, the museum in Cascais, 
the Lighthouse Museum. So it was a kind of a, let's say, really the, the beginning. And even some, some reflection. And then, in a certain moment, was, let's say, 2010, we were starting to having more and more projects. It was about the moment where Sejima invited us to, to the Biennale. Uh, was the first Biennale that we were invited. It was really exciting. And we made this ex ex experience about the independency of space and, sh and form or shape, let's say. We made this represent eight houses, eight different houses in, let's say, a volume and a space. So as a negative, as a, as a positive to really talk about this independency of volume and space. And from that we start to talk about a lot about space, that is with always with our always concern. And we also talk about this idea of materiality. And and this is and and we at the same time we start to having more projects so we start to have more experience. And I think that in that moment where, because we really wanted to, let's say, rethink about the projects, that's why we are interesting also, that we can say that in the last few years, so after 2010, we can start talking about new experience, or, new, or a third phase, if you want, mm -hmm. or, or a different phase, and have been expressed on the last, and the Biennale in 2016, when we started not to talk about limits in terms on the, when he made the, the fender, the installation for the fender, that we were, sh in, in, a, in a way, we were showing an investigation that we were doing about this idea of defining spaces by compression, by tension. So they're saying that, uh, Sometimes you don't have not even a, f a physical limit. You know, only by tension you can uh, generate uh, spaces. And we used there on there. We use some competition that we already want, that we already were developing, like the um, the Lausanne, the museum in Lausanne, the Mos Mosquea in Bordeaux, the the project in Grandola. The, I mean, there were, I mean, seven or eight. And we were also using some experience of the students, of the spaces that the students were presenting. So we extended the work mm. of the students into the, to the experience. And we made some, also some experience in spaces that we were hoping to use. I don't know, we were opening, opening, opening possibilities. possibilities. But, it, but this is, so, but, but I don't know. But I, now I'm, we are more or less there. Going back to that um, 2005 exhibition, the, I guess it was the first major retrospective at your work at the Centro Cultural de Belém. The only it? one. The, no, in terms of that scale, it was okay. the only one. How was it for, you know, how things like this change your own perception of, of yourself, say, I don't know, 15 years into the... No, that, that the exhibition way. changed our lives completely. So the first thing that I don't know why, they invite us to the exhibition and say, we don't accept to do the exhibition on the, the where they used to do the, the exhibition of architecture. We want to be in the middle of the artists. Mm -hmm. And we ask for 1,000 square meters. 
And by that time, it was another another world, let's say, and and not limit budget budget. So it was amazing. We made, for instance, the entrance of the exhibition was one model in one to five of a house that you cross the model to get into the exhibition. So and then we had the the installation of for the Cairo Museum was 100 square meters of steel curtain, steel curtain in curtain in one space. So we, we designed a labyrinth with 1,000 1, square meters with all these installations, with the old, and the models were models made in real materials. I remember to see pieces of, of hook getting into the exhibition, a huge piece of hook to do a model. Or mm -hmm. it was, so it was a moment where, and well, the first time that we showed the way of designing in black and white, in big image, all constructed image, so all the drawings of or, or drawings to for execution drawings, but in black and white. So the, our way of the diagrams in black and white, but with the execution uh, drawings in two by two. So all the mm. panels, all the photos were two by two, and it was a moment where it changed completely our lives because we stay for let's say eight months working on an exhibition, more or less only doing that. Well, at least doing more than anything else, that. And it changed completely our lives because, and the opening of the exhibition, I remember, was a kind of a huge surprise for us. Huge surprise. And it changed completely our perception. We were unknown. And it was so big, the exhibition, so. I've been rereading some of the text that were prepared for the catalog of the exhibition by. I think it was Delphine Sardo Delphine and Sardo. Diogo Seixas, Lopez. And, but by then the 2G was, was published and there was some critical retrospective of, of your work already. But, but those two essays, those two collaborations made ex-professor for the, for the exhibition were equally important, maybe, uh, I don't know if intellectually in the minds of the, of the public who were you know, attending uh, a major visual exhibition of your work and also getting the the, the critical sort of recognition of the of yeah, but it's more important than, than recognition was for us the surprise of our work for us because we present the projects and we were like that's what no it was like hey we have done this you know like because normally you you don't you, you work so, you know, because you are always working, you are always focused on the project and uh, problems and in project by project, that you don't have a common image of what, what are you doing. And sometimes these exhibitions or, or when you publish a book or sometimes, it's obliged you to look and say, okay, oh, okay, so it's what we are doing. And, and on that exhibition for us, it was a kind of a surprise that, hey, there's a body of work in here that we were not conscious at all. You're not prepared to establish a position because no. that, that's, mm. that's what a publication yeah. and an exhibition yeah. forces you to do. Yeah, but in a way, the good thing is also that you, because it was, we, des we designed it in, the mode, in a completely free way. Completely free way. So we just asked for this huge surface. Uh, Dauphin Sard was a director of the, the cultural center, so he really supported us on, on that. 
you accept to do that, but it was the first time. <laughs> Well, you, you mentioned you mentioned this introduction of the question of time uh, round about the project in Singe, and I think that that leads me to kind of more current work. If if you look at your current work, I think we can see a variety of materialities that span from wood, uh, housing, strel in Lisbon, concrete, and the house in Melides one being brick, and the house in Leiria being white. And and um, and they are at kind of the extreme um, at the opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of how these materials and um, deal with time. And I read in <coughs> in the recent essay by Emilio Tugnon about the abstract dimension of time and the sense of timelessness that your work seemed to stay away. It kind of keeps this critical distance towards the current trends. But I'm interested in, in, rather than exploring that abstract dimension of time, express, uh, talk about a more tangible and figurative way of time, expression of time, which is, how do you imagine things like the house in Leiria or the center in Grandola to age? Because there is this sheer expression of whiteness and an absence of a detail that might deal with the water splashing from the pavement into the bottom of the facade or dripping from the coping of the facade into its white surface. And the house in Strela is concrete, which is probably the most friendly material to have moss and age over time. But about these white projects, how do we imagine them to be 10 winters after the first shot it was taken when the building was finished. <laughs> no, there are two things here. There are two, two ways of dealing with time in these two ways, let's say. There are some materials, like you do a house in brick or in stone or, or in wood, and you know that the time, in a way, change, but gives you a new value to these materials. And it's interesting to see the values that it's getting from, from time, and we like that, that, that experience. And it's probably, it's probably, you know, it's different from what we have when we talk about these buildings that are painted in white. Because painted in white, it's, they, they have to be pure, and they have to, to remain pure, or pure. Of course, they could have some, some trace of time, but they have to remain in a way, pure. But you know, one of the things that is interesting is the tradition in Portugal, is that this tradition of painting. One of the things that is incredible, you know, you have this, 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 this major square in Lisbon, it's Plaza de Comercio, the one that's facing the river. Plaza de Comercio... I still, I still know that one. You still know that one. But you know that one of the things that is strange, that uh, the, since I'm a... Since I, I, since I'm able to recognize a color, probably Plaza do Comercio had more than 10 colors yeah. painted in, and you never noticed. You only noticed the way, the, the day they painted, because the ink looks strange. One when when week it's after... It's currently yellow, is it? I don't know. <laughs> you know honestly, I don't know. Because, you know, have been already blue, green, Orange, yellow, pink, pink rose, 
you know, so you, you never know. And one of the things that is a tradition in Portugal, it's this idea of painting. And in the south, it's also, again, an ancient ancients. It's not my ancients. I remember my mother, when we used to go to for holidays, one of the one of the things that we do the day before we arrive was to whitewash the house from the inside and outside because it was the fastest way of cleaning the house. So just just wash out, wash lime paint. Yeah. Immediately. It was like in one day or one day and a half was possible from the inside and outside completely paint the house. Paint. You know with Cull, how do you say cull in English? Yeah, lime washed. Yeah, lime washed. Lime, lime washed the house. So it was the fastest way to clean the house. And the, st the strategy for these white buildings, it's not only that, of course. At the same time, you always think that it's, it's the easiest way, it's, that it's something that you could guarantee, you could always repaint. repaint. But in fact, there's some, another factor in, in architecture that's very important. We are used as we are used to an architecture that was mechanical and or physical and now it's also chemical that's something that we don't control and we are now using and we made a lot of tests and we are of course we work with labs to use this nanotechnology to design the buildings where we have these angles where the water pass by and don't they don't get dirty or they don't become old and they resist. And we made this experience, for instance, we made some experience on these small, very small houses in, even for us in, in Grandola, where we use this technology and we made with these labs this experience that say, okay, so how can you do this and they have to resist? How can I guarantee that it's going to last 10 years, at least 10 years? And it's already now, it's something that is completely different. It's a chemical problem now. It's nanotechnology. You don't control it. It's like the it's like in, in the cars. You, know, you used to open the the, the motor, look into the motor to the car and understand the let's say the pieces. And now you open it and you don't understand anything. In architecture, there's a fact that it's also like like that. We start to using materials that we don't. We cannot design the materials. They are a, a, a chemical problem. And they, you make the buildings resist, not physically, but chemically, with, by the chemical treatment. And so, this is a combination, but for us it's important to keep everything open. And what normally what we tend to use is a kind of a... We like to use a monomateriality. We use stone, we use stone. We use bricks, we use bricks. We use wood, we use wood. And we like this idea of this idea of really trying to push a certain materiality where it's a kind of a where we decide really decide for a material and not combine different materials, but we like to have a, one material that in order put together, let's say, the the the, the building. It's not that one it's going to be the, the only material, but let's say it puts together the mm. the, the, the material. But uh, after that, we like to, you know, I remember we designed a pavilion in Italy for an exhibition, or a stone exhibition, where they make this competition for stone exhibition. When we made, 
a fantastic, for us it was a fantastic experience. We made a wall with stones, I don't know, one by more than one with you know, 60, you know, huge stones, one on top of the others, and with doors done in stone, like a traditional wall. We, we designed this huge installation, and then we put grass inside. Of course, the grass, it was only possible to last the three days of the exhibition. And we made these, uh, these stones that could be could stay there forever. They only stay, stay only for the three days. But it was ama an amazing experience to just build with blocks of stone, you know, where you have like, you put one stone on the other and the wall, it's done. It's finished. When, you know, it's, a, it's, an, it's an experience. And, and we like this idea of trying to take out from the materials the most. I think um, I have one more question. I think we, we, we're late for the lecture. Um, I had, well, I have many more questions, but uh, I think we only have probably time to, to one. Um, and it's to wrap up this conversation and experience of the day and the grid with us. Um, the question I'm not going to ask is, is how do you sit in in the kind of panorama of Portuguese architecture and the relationship with our inevitable reference of the work of Alvaro Cesar, but that's probably part of our conversation, maybe the dinner. <laughs> the, the question I'd like to close this conversation with is, is a question focused on the students. It's probably a predictable question. What's the best advice you can give to a student in 2017 as an architect, but also as a... 18. As a professor, 2018. Sorry, I'm more. <laughs> <laughs> now, what I, what I, we used to advise to the students it's that um, architecture it's a work of resistance, so we have to work and resist. It's something that is very important, and the other thing for us that it's very important that the students have to use themselves. It's very important for students to really understand what he really knows because. Architecture, it's about combine in a poetic way very banal things. And to combine in a poetic way banal things, yes, we have to use ourselves. We cannot be trained to be poetic. We can be trained to easily use things, but then we have to get into ourselves, get into our memories to to something that it's really poetic. And architecture is an art, but it's very important to say it as a statement. It's an unfinished art. It's an art that have, it's only finished with life, but it's an art and it's also support of life. So it's something that it's waiting for this life to be completed, but it's a support that have to provide an ambition have to provide an inspiration for the people that's going to use it. And that's, I think, our work. And it's the work of the students also. Is architecture a struggle? You see it as a struggle or something? Something I mentioned today in my yeah. lecture, a, a quote by Louis Kahn, that the building is a struggle and not a miracle. <laughs> yes, but it's true. It's a struggle. But it's a very good struggle in any case. <laughs> Well, thank you very much. It thank you. Been, it has been an absolute delight. Today. It was a pleasure and, for um, me. 
thank you very much for your time, for coming to London to see us, and um, I hope to see you again soon in this school. Thank, thank you, you very much. Thank I'll you. be glad. <laughs> thank you for listening to this episode of Register. If you enjoyed it, please take the time to leave a review or to subscribe or any of those measures that help uh, increase our visibility across the many platforms that we're available on. In the meantime, I'd just like to thank once again Laura Evans, whose tireless work is essential in making this programme happen. And I look forward to you joining us in our next episode.